All right, welcome back to Inside the Loop, the podcast about all things tech happening in the city of Chicago, Illinois. Today, we're joined by Alex Disney. Alex is the head of technology at Uphold. Uh, Uphold is a crypto fintech that allows for the swap between crypto assets and fiat assets. Uh, He is also the organizer of Crypto and Coffee, which is a meetup group of tech professionals working in crypto in the city of Chicago. Uh, Alex, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. No problem. As always, we have Martin and Dylan with us as well. How are you guys? Doing great. Hey, Matt. Excellent. How are you? Doing very well. Um, I want to get right into it. Alex, I think you have a fascinating background. I want to hear all about that. I think really important to what we're trying to achieve on this podcast. We want to hear all about crypto and coffee, how you built that and the origin story. But let's just start with the present day. You're currently the head of technology at Uphold. Talk us a little bit about that, what you guys have been working on for a while um, and how you got there. Yeah. So um, starting with what we're doing these days, like my role is uh, largely involved with uh, the teams that are responsible for doing some of the balancing, the the finance reserve type work. And my individual focus is as far as like producing software is concerned, is working with the team to communicate with Ethereum and other blockchains that offer uh, the decentralized finance protocols and platforms that exist in the world. Um, and working closely with the organization at large to bring offerings that uh, are useful for us as a platform that prices cryptocurrency and other fiats uh, to our customers. Um, so my my path to Uphold uh, was it started with a few of the people who are still on my team today. Um, we were building a cryptocurrency exchange together uh, called LXDX. Uh, we were focused, we, we all had a background in, in finance, software, and trading. So we were hoping to build, and I would say succeeded in building, an extremely performant, low latency exchange geared towards uh, cryptocurrency products and, and also uh, producing some, some interesting products that didn't really exist out there yet as, as far as uh, the dynamics of contracts are concerned. Uh, we built our product, and turns out we are pretty good at software and mediocre at marketing. We didn't get a whole lot of adoption, but uh, at some point, we were lucky enough to engage with some folks at Uphold, and we found there was an excellent opportunity for us to join the Uphold team. Uh, and that's, that's coming up on about three and a half, four years now. Um, so I would say we're, we're all in a pretty good position there. Very cool. So Uphold, I mean, Uphold's not headquartered in Chicago, but there's quite a few people living and working in Chicago, right? Yeah, it's not probably one of our bigger offices. There there are primary locations in uh, the San Francisco area, London, a smaller office in New York. But the, the primary uh, destination for Upholders is Braga, Portugal, uh, which is a, a city to the north east of Porto in the northern part of Portugal. That's kind of where the part of the company is. That's where it was founded. Do you ever get to go out there? Yeah, actually, I've been lucky enough to go out there a few times. Uh, there's some really, really great technologists out there uh, in both in Porto and in Braga. I can't speak for Lisbon. I'm sure Lisbon is great, too. I've just never been. Yeah, I, it seems like everywhere I turn, at least coming from crypto as well, a lot of people are starting to migrate out there. Yeah, they have a pretty um, agreeable relationship with crypto as a government. Yeah, so that, that's key. Low cost of living too, right? Yeah, definitely. And pretty good food. Really, the, the, all the people I've been able to meet have always been phenomenal, uh, really kind individuals, smart, friendly. Awesome, awesome. So take us further back. How did you get, you know, meeting that team, finally to uphold? Sounds like you had an early career in trading business yeah so so i uh when i graduated university i immediately started to work at a trading firm in chicago called brw um i worked there for just under 10 years and uh in my time there i had the really fortunate opportunity to work on many different teams on many different uh portions of the organization um and interact with some of the best to this date 
some of the best technologists that I've ever had the privilege of interacting with, in addition to just some really nice, friendly people who do interesting, weird stuff in their spare time. Uh, a really great community uh, to have as my introduction into technology and also just as ambassadors to to the city. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody would argue that Chicago at this point is first and foremost a trading town, um, especially in finance, uh, consumer goods maybe, but but you know it, it's bleeding hard is trading. That's an incredible experience. Um, so I'm curious then, talk to us about crypto and coffee. I know I will establish. Uh, I am a person who chose to move to Chicago. Uh, this group was personally important for me moving the town and trying to navigate the uh, tech scene, specifically the crypto scene in town. So, you know, I appreciate the, the, the connections that I was able to make through that, but I'm curious how you describe it, um, you know, as the person who's organized it and led it for all these years. Uh, well, glossing over the fact that it's very flattering that you found the, the, the meetup <laughs> important to you, um, I, the meetup was created. Uh, as a, it was created as a reaction to the fact that I was attending Chicago Ethereum meetups and other crypto meetups as a technologist who around that same time was thinking about maybe moving on from my current position at, at my employer and knowing that the thing I was going to do was related to crypto. But what ended up happening was, uh, I wasn't really able to necessarily keep my excitement about the technology that was Ethereum, this burgeoning space where we didn't really necessarily know what we were building yet or what was going to be built on top of the first phase. So I ended up talking to people who were interested in me building their thing. Uh, so the kind of person who could absolutely be an exciting partner to have if that is what I needed at that moment in time. But I felt that what I needed was to put myself in a position where I could find a way to talk to the people who I thought could help me get to the next level as far as my knowledge of crypto goes, as, as far as my journey as a technologist goes. And uh, it, this is in no way... Uh, a negative statement about the crypto meetups that exist and have existed in Chicago. It was just that I was trying to do something very specific. And that was talk about Ethereum, really, you know, cryptocurrency in general, but Ethereum from a very, very technical level. Uh, originally, yeah. this was going to be an opportunity for us to write code together. And it just, that was hard for various reasons. And, and I let uh, the experiences of people I saw joining me kind of tell me what direction to take it. And it became what it is today, which is an opportunity for a bunch of people who are all pretty good at well-reasoned discussion. Um, they're good at disagreeing with one another amicably and like really striving to consume the fire hose of cryptocurrency related news and technology development to the point where we can walk away from each of our meetups and feel like, oh, that was worth my time. And that's really the goal. I want, I want people to walk away saying that was worth my time. And it has had the happy side effect of find, finding a bunch of people, binding, binding a bunch of people together who are like-minded enough that we have established friendships outside of the group and forged professional relationships and just generally uh, have a good time uh, at an uncomfortable hour in the morning. And and Alex, I'm curious, the, the ecosystem has probably changed a lot since this started. Um, is Ethereum still the core focus of the meetup at this point? Um, and if not, like, what have you diversified into? And then I'm also just curious, like, how big has this group become over time? And what is what does participation look like? I'm sure it ebbs and flows with the market, but I'm curious, you know, uh, how many operators there are that sort of fit this mold in Chicago at this point? Yeah, let me let me start with that last part. Uh, just the numbers are really easy. I I have a email list that I use to send out invitations uh, on a on a biweekly basis, and it has been as large as about fifty five people. Um, 
it's it's been around for just under four years now, and I have done periods of calling people who I'm I'm just thinking uh, they're probably not going to come anymore. I send out an email before I take off a bunch of names and say, if you don't see these in a while, email me, I'll add you back. But it's very casual, but maximum 50 people, 55 people on the email list. And on average, we maybe see seven people at the meetups with a peak of like 20, probably. Mm-hmm. And these are these are virtual meetups now as well. They were in person. They've, they've transitioned to virtual. Um, so intentionally, intentionally a narrow set of folks so you can get real deep into these discussions, I'm sure. And, yeah. and deeply technical, as you said before. Um, and then maybe the first question that I had asked uh, on the on the Ethereum focus side, is that still the case for you today, given everything that's changed over the years? Yeah, it generally is. Um, we, I initially I was reluctant to label myself any kind of. Uh, there's there's a term uh, in cryptocurrency space where you're a maxi, so you're you're a maximizer in a certain coin. Uh, it's generally viewed. I mean. I guess if you're not, if you're a Bitcoin maxi, maybe you're like, yeah, I'm a Bitcoin maxi because you were first and rightly so. Yeah, Bitcoin really is an amazing thing that exists. It's doing great things. Um, And then there's other coins. And if you if you're a maxi for those other coins, you generally think negatively about that term maxi because because you're not a Bitcoin maxi. You're not one of you're not top dog, basically. Um, All that being said. I'm probably an Ethereum maxi. I, I still can't admit it to myself, uh, but but I really think there's a lot of exciting and interesting technology being being built on Ethereum, and uh, the the opportunity that Ethereum provides technologists and really anyone who's interested in uh, disrupting existing systems, uh, it, it's just way more possible on Ethereum than on other platforms. However, uh, we do now have the, the opportunity to talk about other blockchains and, and wi- while at the same time uh, transferring the knowledge we have from Ethereum onto those other chains. We call them layer twos. Uh, the, the underlying technology that makes Ethereum work has now been ported to other blockchains as well. So when we talk about one thing, on Ethereum, we can equally talk about another thing on another chain and vice versa. So we are primarily talking about Ethereum in our meetups, but in reality, we're talking about an ecosystem that that spans much more than just Ethereum at the same time. And so what uh, initially piqued your interest or tripped you into the Ethereum well uh, and sort of down this rabbit hole um, to where you are today in terms of, you know, people come to these things like religion, right? Um, whether you're a Bitcoin maxi or an Ethereum maxi or, or into, you know, Polkadot or any of the other protocols. And so I'm, I'm curious, you know, how did you initially find yourself down the, the rabbit hole on Ethereum? I, I do want to rephrase your question slightly and, and say, how did I allow cryptocurrency to become my personality? Uh, because I try, I try not to let it be my personality, but then all of a sudden I'm talking about it. I'm talking about it again. Um, so how did I get there? Um, I was working at DRW. I, I'd been on a number of teams, um, in my time there. And at some point there, uh, there was an organization within DRW called, uh, Cumberland Mining and Materials. It was the, uh, the cryptocurrency trading desk that existed within the organization and the individual who was operating the desk uh, was someone I had met in in prior years at DRW. And at some point he needed a developer to, to do some additional work beyond what they had or they already had. And uh, he reached out to me to ask if I would be interested. So at that point, I was already aware of it. I had read the Bitcoin white paper. I hadn't given it too much thought aside from its existence as an investment product pool. It's very interesting. It's money, but it isn't fiat money. It's not owned by a country. I like the idea, theoretically. Uh, but at some point, uh, this this guy running the trading desk 
um, I don't think he even remembers this moment, uh, was talking to me about normal, normal work stuff. And he said to me as he was getting ready to walk away, uh, Ethereum, check it out, tell your friends. And so I did. <laughs> when this guy tells you to look at a thing, you think, oh, I should look at that thing. So I, I did. I read the white paper. I did a bunch of reading. Um, and and the, the thing that stuck out to me most uh, when I was researching this was the concept of this thing that Ethereum calls the world computer. Uh, and that really is a reference to a Ethereum, originally a reference to Ethereum, in that it is a gigantic computer that exists in a decentralized fashion, running on lots of different actual computers simultaneously, everyone doing the same computation, and then agreeing upon the result with one another. So there's a variety of advantages that that provides that I will not go into, but those, those advantages, or at least those that paradigm shift that it provides as an option for running software and delivering value uh, for, some, for, for every definition of value just really got me excited. So I started, I dug in more and then I kept digging in and then I kept digging in. And at this point, I know so many people who I think are phenomenal human beings interested in this space and really great professionals and interesting and that I, I feel guilty every time I think, oh man, this crypto thing, I got to gotta do something else with my life. Ah, uh, but I'll disappoint everyone. So I don't. I just stay. I, I had the moment recently where somebody asked me what I did professionally, and I mentioned crypto, and I just got the eye roll back, right? Just kind of like <laughs> given where we are in this market cycle. Um, I, I want to pick apart a little bit more because I think the thing that's interesting to me the most is like, we talk about crypto. We talk about, I guess, Web3 is the umbrella term now. We talk about it in these terms of being decentralized. Uh and it it feels and anonymity is very important, but I have a very similar origin story for getting into crypto, which is I had to go to a meetup. Somebody had introduced me to it. These terms were floating around, and like I just needed a safe space to just be like, let's talk about this, let's work it out. Um, crypto and coffee seems like something that you graduate from that, you know, crypto one hundred and one meetup into when you're ready to like go down the rabbit hole uh, and have an extended experience, but. Uh, how important, I mean, I know you, you've built this to fulfill your own need, um, but, but how important do you think that is going forward? I mean, we're at a bottom of a cycle, right? Clearly, I think the four of us all agree that there is a bright future for Web3 and the subset of that being crypto. Um, but is it still a one-on-one, one-on-mini game of personal interactions? As far as uh, like personal crypto adoption goes? Yeah, adoption, exactly. Well, if it is, then I don't think our future is as bright as we hope. Uh, I, I think the goal needs to be why well, it, it depends on what your goal is and, and not everyone's goal. If you're a crypto enthusiast, not everyone's goal is the same as everyone else's. But uh, I, I think I think that is a point we can mostly agree on, whatever your crypto philosophy is. If we are at if we are eternally in a stage where the only way you get excited about crypto or at least interested enough to use it in the most minimal sense, then we're doing something wrong. I, I think there's probably a variety of futures. One of them is that everyone is excited about crypto. Everyone is excited about crypto or at least a sizable portion of the world. And it just starts getting used as a, as a in-your-face technology or no one needs to know they're using crypto. Which do you think is going to be the case? I mean, I think you know, we've, we've actually talked about this before. It's like, I think the real future is going to be a lot of people, like the general consumer still today is not very aware of crypto or using it, right? And I think if blockchain technology is going to succeed, it's going to be at the point where we're all using it without realizing. And, and that's going to be it. There, and, and no one's even going to know. It's just going to be a better experience, a faster experience, whatever it may be. But uh, that, that, at least that's the way I look at it, is if it's really going to succeed, it's going to have to be that route. Just to your point, like, okay, if everyone's super excited about crypto, that'd be amazing. But it seems like it's right. still one by one by one. Or every time there's a bull cycle, you get some more people. 
and then a few of them stay, and then you kind of keep going back and forth on that. Yeah, well, I I think the the goal for us, or or you know the the technologist um, community inside of crypto should really be when someone asks you what you do, you you don't say you work in crypto. You just say you're a technologist, uh, and, and and the the implication of that will be that it is no longer interesting. It is no longer novel to say, I am a crypto, I'm not, I'm a blockchain engineer. It'd be like telling someone that you're a, a, a database engineer, which if, if I tell my grandmother, I'm a database engineer, she's going to say, what is that? What? <laughs> and, and explaining it would be the most boring conversation you could ever have. Yeah. So yeah, if we get to the point where I can just tell people, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I work for a technology company and I'll say the name of the company and they'll say, oh, cool. I, I think I've heard of that. Then right. I think, and, and my company is like succeeding and it's yeah. just, everything's going great. Then I think we've hit a really good flow. Not, not, not defrauding investors. Ideally not defrauding investors. Yes. I would try to, I want to minimize that at the participant. Yeah. But that's a great point, though, around like you, you're eventually going to just say, I work for X company, and it's going to be the equivalent of saying, I work for Google, you know, whatever name, any big tech company, people are going to get excited and they don't actually have to know the ins and outs or the back end of how it works. Um, and it, it will happen to be a blockchain company or a you know, Web3 company. But yeah, but crypto is unique, right? Because it is so community driven, at least its early history is, as you know, success has been defined by participation and and size of community um, to where people take that very personally. And so that can be very off-putting from other parts of tech that have, have looked at it as, as a toy or something that's not worth integrating in the past. Uh, curious, like what is the perception in Chicago of, of crypto from like the larger tech community? From the larger tech community, it's, it's very mixed. Uh, I, I'm a member of, of various communities uh, made up of former coworkers, for example. And uh, even while I was at ERW, there was there were uh, mixed opinions about the not just the value of cryptocurrency, but also the morality of it, um, where where its impact on the world extends beyond money in a very serious way. When headlines that say uh, Bitcoin mining is consuming as much electricity as the country of Finland are very it's a very real concern uh, and I, I respect that it is something that worries people and the the headlines that nfts are bad for the environment are not entirely wrong but it's also the kind of when I hear someone say that I am probably thinking I'm probably not going to get into that conversation with that person right. because it's it's just one of those difficult conversations to have where you can expect to walk away having taught one another a thing. Like my, it's my personality. Like I said, I, I it's, it's going to be really hard for you to convince me to change my personality. Uh, and that's, that's a shortcoming on my part. Um, but, but there are also people in the, in the Chicago tech ecosystem that are very excited about technology. And it, it just kind of depends on, um, like what drives you as a person? Like if you, if you're a technologist who can get excited about technology and ignore everything else, I expect you're probably going to be interested in crypto and maybe afraid of it because it's hard to support that software, which I respect it is. Um, you know, if you're a person who, who doesn't get excited about technology for technology's sake, you might be a little bit different. I haven't thought about the taxonomy of people and their relationship to crypto. But the, the fact is, I think it's probably true in most places. Some people love crypto. Some people hate crypto. There's people who don't know anything about it. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's, and I don't want to leave the question because I don't, I don't want to imply that it necessarily is. I'm genuinely curious. But do you think that it's important that long-term Chicago comes becomes a destination for crypto, like where people show up, where people might want to build a life here yeah um i mean i think if if we think if chicago 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to personify Chicago, I guess. If Chicago thinks that uh, that finance is the only thing that that it needs as far as it, it, its technology interest goes, I, I think that's pretty short-sighted. Uh, I, I think engineers, technologists who have worked in finance are actually really prepared with a, with a skill set that lends them to working in what is a pretty high risk environment in the crypto space. So knowing that, knowing that we have a, a, glutton, a gluttony of engineers who are perfect to work in the crypto space, we should be building on that fact and taking advantage of the fact that we have people who are really good at solving hard problems and are really good at designing systems that are very good at mitigating risk. That's all writing financial software is. Writing, you write the software, it does what it's supposed to do, but it does so in a way that mitigates the risk so that there's no massive failure at the end of the day. Bad things happen, that's just how it works. But if you wrote your software and you built your technology in a way that can absorb the impact of certain risk events, then you're in a good place. And that's exactly how you need to write blockchain technology. Yeah. I think, yeah. It's, I think it's funny too, because, you know, we talk a lot about how Chicago is sort of understated compared to a lot of other technology destinations, let's say in the U.S. And it's funny, right? Because when you, you talk about the future of Web3, blockchain, crypto, however you want to refer to it, the ecosystem, this idea that it needs to be understated for mass adoption, right? It feels like Chicago is like religiously the right place to sort of help move that along, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, Dylan, we, we were talking, Alex and I were talking about previously just about like using Berlin as an analogy, right? I, I think Chicago and Berlin have a lot of shared DNA. I don't want to make anyone angry who like passionately thinks Berlin is a very different city, but like they have a lot of German influence and they are overlooked cities compared to the economic powerhouses of their continents, respectively. And, you know, the, the Bauhaus movement literally moved here with Mies van der Rohe moving to IIT, right? Like it is, it is an economically affordable city where like, it, unlike trying to make it in Manhattan, like there is a different art, there's a different cost benefit analysis that goes into the calculation of an ROI. And, and I think that's an environment where creativity flourishes. And so, you know, if you can get people interested in being here, you know, you can move them here, you can show them the values and then, and then show them that there's a community. I mean, that's exactly what we're trying to do on this podcast is, is not make this about any of us or any one guest necessarily, but just demonstrating the value of that community. That's what gets me excited about being here long term. Yeah, exactly. So, Alex, I mean, on that note, like, you know, you've been in this space for a long time, right? And you came from that financial technology space and you, you, you kind of migrated to the crypto space. What do you think, you know, what do you think needs to change or what do you think needs to happen in Chicago for us to become that destination, right? Uh, without bringing the Berlin 24-hour parties over, what else do we need to do over here uh, to, to make Chicago the place to be? Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if even if I'm just thinking about the crypto, the crypto space, like we need there to be more employment opportunities for people. Um, we need there to be a blending of the interests of crypto specifically and the other technology focused interests that and non-technology interests that that blend into crypto. I mean, there's there's really massive opportunities in the crypto space for gaming for uh, commerce and for art. And if, if we can find a way to, to blend those, those people together uh, who, who all have interests in different things, but, but whose focuses can contribute to an interesting cryptocurrency ecosystem, then that could draw people in uh, as far as Chicago as a destination to be because we've got all these things. That are that are building upon one another, um, but I, I I definitely have to think like we we need there to be there, there need to be employment opportunities in crypto out here uh, if if people are going to come and and migrate from one industry to the next. Well, so on that note, like, what do you think it will take to get more people to find, like start companies here in crypto? Right, 
you know, whether is it the money problem potentially, or is it the founders just not coming here? Like, what does it take for people to create some of those employment opportunities and start companies here in the crypto space? Yeah, I, well, I I think ha- having seen some uh, some colleagues, crypto and coffee colleagues, or, or otherwise uh, starting their own companies and negotiating uh, uh, negotiating the waters of obtaining investment. It mm-hmm. definitely seems like a lot of the people that they're speaking to aren't here. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not going from office to office, knocking on doors, and then going next door and knocking on that door. They're on calls with people who are elsewhere. And frankly, I don't know all the places that they are, other than I know for certain they're uh, on on the coasts of the United States. Interesting. It's something that we've definitely discussed uh, within our group a lot is this the kind of need for more of that risk capital in Chicago, kind of the earlier stage investors. And there's definitely a lot of them, like Dylan is definitely one of them. And even uh, Dakasonic is a new crypto-specific web free fund here. So there's more and more starting to come. Yeah, for me. And, and so like they're happening, but I think certainly not at the scale that the coasts have and that ability for you to be able to go in in one day have, you know, five or 10 meetings in the same 10 block radius or whatever the case is. And yeah, like, Everything's remote now. Maybe you don't need to be in the same you know, room. But to your point, they're still not in Chicago. There's something to be said for um, capturing enthusiasm when you're in person. Uh, something that's kind of shocked me about crypto and coffee is that it has continued to, in a way, flourish in this completely virtual meetup world is, is that we, we still are able to feed off of each other's enthusiasm in the meetup that's really hard to do in a virtual uh one person can talk at a time uh environment you you just get you get your pent-up excitement and then eventually you don't ever get the chance to speak and then it's gone but being in person no matter what you get to feel the energy of a space and uh kind of get everyone excited about the same thing at the same time and that technologists being in the same place at the same time, building the same thing. Like that's why hackathons exist. So we're yeah. very susceptible to that. I think. That. Yeah. Do you think like, I mean, with crypto and coffee, right. You said you had up to about 50 people, but it was almost intentionally kind of kept small. So you can be very specific about the conversations. Something that Dylan and, and, and Matt and I were talking about before was, I forget what night it was, maybe a month ago or so where there was three different NFT crypto events happening and we were going to three separate events in the same night in Chicago, right? And the idea was like, wait a second, why aren't these all together creating this larger ecosystem where they're all together, everyone's there to talk about arguably the same thing. So why aren't we all together? And yes, it's good that there's multiple events, but at the same time, it kind of felt like that fragmentation is still happening, right? There's this, these small groups meeting up, but now everyone's not coming together. So do you think that that's part of, I mean, do you, do you think there needs to be more of maybe crypto and coffee becoming larger or do you prefer it to stay smaller and kind of niche in terms of the, the group and the conversation? Well, I, I think as far as, like, certainly I am a culprit as far as fragmentation goes in that I explicitly created a fragment for myself. Uh, and that ended up being valuable for people uh, it's, I wouldn't necessarily, I certainly wouldn't say it was broadly valuable, but, uh, I'm, I have not been effective at coordinating with other organizers also. Uh, so I, I probably would not say crypto and coffee needs to expand. If, if I wanted to make and be a part of organizing a technology meetup or a crypto meetup in Chicago, that was meant to reach a broader audience, it would be something else. It would probably be much more organized um, in terms of content that was being presented. But but yeah, I mean, maybe there's room in Chicago for crypto organizers to have a group where we talk so that we can mm-hmm. coordinate more, like even just a, a Discord, you know, like yeah. where Absolutely. all these things are posted. Yeah. I mean, Matt, what's yeah. the group, the the, um, the art group, I, I'm blanking on their name, that does the galleries, events? Right I'm, I'm, I'm not art not over on, on I'm Ashland. Not art, right? So and you I'm got I'm not art, you got all these different groups, right? And it's like, again, maybe there is a place where the purely the organizers have to come together so they're on the same page and that can create. Because like, I think one of the things that we're trying to create here is like, where's the home for tech 
in Chicago? Where is the home for crypto in Chicago? Where if people are coming from other cities, when they come, they know, okay, I just got to go over here and I'll be able to find everyone I want to see. Uh, whereas today, again, yeah. it's, it's but, um, And I, I think like highlighting crypto and coffee and what you're doing is interesting because like it existing in that form is extremely valuable, right? Like clearly we need, we need organizations on both sides of the spectrum, very, you know, very curated meetups, gathering points where people can go to sort of begin the navigation. And then I see crypto and coffee as like an endpoint of that journey of like, I have found my people, but there is that cohort of people. That is a community that I think before that was largely missing for you. And so you, so there needs to be like an NFT and coffee type event for people that are just inherently interested in that, an open environment to discuss. Yeah. And that's actually an interesting idea for a way forward as far as broadening the scope of the group, but maybe trying to capture some of the same vibe that crypto and coffee currently provides. Uh, I am a, I, I generally have a belief that any organization, any culture or subculture that you have created, as new people get added, as new ventures are embarked upon, that organization, that culture out of necessity changes. Uh, when a company merges with another company, oftentimes you hear, yeah, but we want to keep the culture the same. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, you, you yeah, already changed luck. the Good culture. Luck. Yeah. yeah, it's too late. Um, so, I mean, if what you're, I mean, one of one of the favorite things for for me and the folks at Crypto and Coffee to do is come up with words that begin with C that we can pair with crypto, so that we can go crypto and climbing, or I don't have any other examples. Crypto and canoeing. <laughs> crypto and canoeing for the canoeing <laughs> enthusiasts in the group. Crypto yeah. and cars. You know, there's there's there's, yeah. there's there, you know. So it's like a DAO and sub DAO type. So I, I was just about to ask you about DAOs, what your thoughts are on DAOs, because it's almost baked, it's almost as kind of explaining us needing a Chicago tech DAO or Chicago crypto DAO where these people can come together. Yeah, I, well, DAOs are really cool. Um, they're very intimidating in a lot of ways as well. Uh, and, and every DAO is different. And, and Alex, Alex yeah. would you mind just taking a step back and for our audience explaining base level, like what a DAO is, how it works, and why it lends itself to community, sort of those baseline things, sorry. No problem, yeah. So, so DAO is an acronym, so letters D-A-O, and those stand for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. In practice, that, that autonomous part should probably be omitted or just be a little A <laughs> yeah. as a part of it uh, because it's, we're not quite there yet as far as the technology goes. It's very technology uh, required. Lots of technology required, the automation part. But the, the current incarnation of DAOs are numerous. Uh, and the ones that I have been exposed to the most are ones that generally have open membership if you or or a low membership barrier if if you would like to well taking a step back a dao is a grouping of individuals or entities who are all focused on the same set of goals those goals there's generally an overarching goal or a mission statement and then the individual actions that the group embark upon change over time as a function of the discussions and the growth of the organization at large. Uh, the way the groups tend to coordinate is using a variety of web-based technologies. Lots of them are in discords. Uh, lots of them have weekly or bi-weekly or monthly meetings that happen in the discord audio or video channels. They also utilize forums. They utilize polling tools. Uh, they utilize more crypto-oriented voting mechanisms. But the point is, it's a grouping of individuals who are all trying to achieve some set of objectives uh, that are targeted with some end goal in mind, generally a high degree of organization. There's actual money at stake in most of these groups. So there's budgets being presented. There's voting, demo like pure democracy here, pure democracy. Uh, so I guess tying it back, if that's a suitable a description of what a DAO is. Um, 100%. All right, cool. So, this, so then thinking about how a DAO could be a contributor to like a Chicago tech scene, um, if nothing else, 
DAOs are hot right now. So when you make a Chicago tech DAO, people might get excited and join it. And then kind of where you go from there really needs to be left up to the group. This is where it gets intimidating. I, earlier, I was saying that DAOs are intimidating. It's because everybody has a voice. And no matter what your background is, if you don't already have a platform in the crypto or DAO space, you're the same as everybody else. And you have to figure out how to get your voice heard and affect the change you want to affect or get used to not having any influence no matter how used to it you are. So, yeah. But it brings people together and it gets, it gets ideas out there in a way that hasn't been possible in the past. And it, it kind of is an organic thing that can grow all on its own. Commun it's really grassroots stuff. And if Chicago technologists are the one driving it, uh, then I, theoretically, what's being built is something that creates a better ecosystem for Chicago technologists, because that's the, that's the mission statement. Right. And I, I feel like that mission statement piece is critical, right? Like I think about these organizations and the, the ones that I've seen do well versus the ones that I've seen that haven't done well. As you said, it, it can sort of devolve when you don't have that common DNA, right? So I think about yeah. one of the more successful ones being LinksDAO, like their goal is to go and acquire a golf course. Like that's a very like pointed stated goal of what they're wanting to do. There's a lot of organization around that everything that they've built around that ecosystem is very much about that golfing community, about this end goal, et cetera, right? Um, and so it, it really is interesting to think about like what that could look like as it pertains to advancing the goals of Chicago, right? And in our, in our community here. Um, like you said, DAOs are really hot right now. Um, and obviously we're in a time where there's been a lot of market turbulence, uh, you know, a lot of, it's funny, I was reflecting on this the last couple of days, right? Like in the last six months, we've had Luna, we've had BlockFi uh, twice, uh, we've had FTX, um, we've had a, a lot of uh, Three Arrows, all these other things that have happened, right? It makes Mt. Gox look just like such a tiny blip on the radar um, here in the history of crypto. And at the same time, miring in this, where we are today and, and ruminating on things, I feel like it's important to sort of maintain perspective and try to stay optimistic and think about the future. DAOs are certainly one of the things where I think a lot of people are spending some time, but what gets you really excited and like, what are the areas that you're focused on as we look forward from where we are today? Um, what are the things that get you, get you jazzed and keep you, keep you with crypto being your personality? <laughs> uh, I mean, there, that's a good question. And I, I too have had to reflect on that uh, in, in the past six months. Um, I would say that my, uh, my personality hasn't changed at all. Uh, another way to say that is my, my belief in the positive impact that, that cryptocurrency technology can have on the world has not been shaken. Um, and and the, the reason for that is the things that I'm excited about are not in the same uh, indust industry sphere as where the problems have occurred. It's terrible. There are terrible things happening in the crypto finance space. It really like people being taken advantage of scammers at a scale that we didn't think we, we would see like scammers that are happening at the scale of existing industry at the scale right. of, of oil. Wow. Right. It's terrible. But, um, that's not what excites me. I'm not excited that uh, I can go to Kraken and trade Ethereum for Shiba. Like that, that's fine. But the things that excite me are the tools that decentralization are creating, uh, the, the ability for individuals to create a real technological identity for themselves on the web and use that as a, as a pass to enter communities to engage with technologies, um, oh, there, there's I, the, I bought an NFT earlier this year as my first NFT ever, ever, and it was for a restaurant in Chicago. If I bought the NFT, I got a free shake when I made my next online order. Where? Wait, which Where? restaurant? It's, it's Irazu was was the restaurant. They were partnering with a group that's based in Evanston uh, called Supper Club. I uh, love Irazu. It's down the street cool. for me, and I nice. was unaware of this. Yeah. 
So yeah, I mean, yeah, those yeah. are the things, the things that, that, that got me so excited when I saw that NFT, that was like, and I'm, I love, I love the Chicago food scene. So when an NFT presented itself to me saying, <laughs> I, I can get you food and I can connect you with other people who want to give you food and share <laughs> food ideas with you. I, we, I didn't even think about it. I bought the NFT immediately. Yeah. I, I, I like, I always liked what like Amin Somali, who was the builder of the Malik Dow, the way he talked about the crypto ecosystem of having this like ideological guide point that that can be blinding almost. Right. And when you think about like web two, giving power to people that are telling us that they're exacting change in the name of good. Uh, and we're using a lot of the same words, but like when he talks about it, it's let's 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 march towards those ideals but then let's also recognize that there are flaws in the systems that we are built and then and then slay the moloch right slay this beast that is trying to destroy us yeah yeah it, and it is easy as idealists cuz cuz the people who are drinking the crypto Kool-Aid are idealists and i consider myself to a large degree that kind of person they're dangerous because they allow themselves to get blinded to the problems that the technology has created. And yeah, I, if, if these past six months have taught us anything, it's that there is danger in what we are creating in the crypto space. And if we're not cognizant of that, then we're going to create the dystopia that some of us in the crypto space were explicitly attempting to subvert, to avoid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were trying to make it about decentralized systems and networks, not individuals who build, you know, a cult of personality, which is really the problems we're seeing now are the result of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the more we learn about that, the more that becomes obvious that the high, the high degree of centralization in this in those particular instances was really damaging. And that's the opposite of what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah, there there is a like a revolutionary moment for, and I I hear this a lot from people that have entered the, the the NFT space, which is like, oh, I just clicked a wallet. Like the rules to to enter these systems were so simple. It was not, you know, these barriers of email and password and name and address and all these things is data that people want to suck in. It's just, yeah, do you do you have the software that that talks to this? Um, and then if it's DeFi, do you do you, the other rule is do you have assets to participate, right? And then right. we can build systems that don't rely on individuals. Um, that's what that's what keeps me in it for the long term. I will say though, Matt, like I mean, on that note, I think part of the problem with the mass adoption is even for all of us who have background in this space, you know, setting up a wallet and buying an NFT and understanding what gas fees are and waiting for it to go through. And you're like, I, I don't really fully get it. Right. I and mean, this is for me coming with a background in kind of right, like a finance and whatever the case is. So it's, I still think there's a lot of room for improvement to make the regular customer be comfortable setting up that wallet. Right. I think that's still one of the biggest things is like, you can't go, go explain to someone that's not a, you know, a finance person at all. Hey, you have to go set up this wallet. You have to like buy some Ethereum move the ethereum over i think it's just very confusing for people yeah um, i yeah i don't imagine, disagree with you imagine if there were one platform where you could buy you know use fiat <laughs> to buy crypto or use use one crypto to buy other cryptos right like everything for everyone all on one platform yeah some some kind of system that would allow you to transact anything for anything anything for anything if only <laughs> that's a good tagline it is a good tagline. <laughs> That's amazing. But yeah, I think there's, listen, crypto is really exciting, you know, where it can go in the future. And to your point, everything, what Alex, you were saying about decentralized, we've, we've spent some time in DAOs before ourselves and all of the DAOs that I've been part of, including the one that I started was not decentralized. It was centralized. And it was just like, wait a second, this is not even the whole point of this, this whole point, you know, and then even the autonomous part to your point, I think that both the D and the A have to be uh, lowercase right now. Because frankly, they're not uh, doing what they're supposed to be doing from a from the purest form of what a DAO is supposed to be. But hopefully, yeah. we can L- little that. little D, little D, big O, little A. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> a marketing genius, Martin. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just the truth, you know. I mean, even these yeah. the largest DAOs that even LinksDAO is still a centralized. It's still a you know a few guys that started it that are really making all the decisions. 
and then the DAO members are, you know, quote unquote advisors. Uh, but yes, yeah, yeah, I agree with the future. Well, yeah, I, I don't disagree. Anyways, we we got to wrap now. But Alex, yeah. awesome having you on the show. Love hearing your story. I love hearing how you know somebody working in finance as a technologist can can exact so much change within a community here locally. Um, love hearing the story, and I, I I hope other people listening will be inspired by. I'm not being fulfilled. Let me build this myself because there's probably like-minded people around me. So really appreciate that. Before we go, I do want to share this, share one thing because it's eating at me. Um, Martin, you asked, what does it take for Chicago to become a destination? Lucky we have the answer. Rex Salisbury, Cambria, former, former A16Z yeah. asked this question to chat GPT. Uh, why do people in technology move to Miami? And we have the answer. It is, there is a thriving technology industry. I would say Chicago's a nine out of 10. Attractive climate, five out of 10, four out of 10. Uh, and availability of affordable housing. I mean, we're at eight, nine out of 10 on that. Yeah, yeah I mean, if only we could change the weather. Yeah, exactly. I mean, frankly, from an affordability perspective, compared to Miami, it's probably even more affordable now. Um, yeah, probably. So, so Alex, probably. where where can people in the audience find you and find... Uh, the organizations that you're you're sort of working with. Well, I I'm I'm not the best ambassador. It's the reason I created my own ecosystem and only talk to the people that uh, want I definitely want to talk to me. I'm I'm on uh, Twitter as a Disney. I'm on Farcaster as a Disney. Definitely check out Farcaster as an alternative. Um, check out Uphold.com. Pretty cool. Pretty cool product offering. Some cool stuff. And then uh, I don't know follow matt and maybe matt will uh, guide you towards uh, crypto and coffee somehow you gotta right. you gotta know someone to get in awesome thank you alex thank you very much great talking great. thanks alex